hands up, hands up if you like musicals. Hands up if you, oh wow, wow. I was going to say, this is a safe space. If you have a soft spot for the sound of music, hands up. But it looks like everyone loves them. So tonight's going to be fun. Because growing up, I, I loved musicals. Musicals were my life. I loved them. And I loved them because I, I loved the idea of being able to step into a world where words just weren't enough. Where you'd go so far in explaining yourself that you could go no further and you had to burst out into song. You needed, you needed melody. You needed a spotlight. You needed um, backing singers to join you with harmonies and ooh, ooh, ooh. And then, and then the saxophonists would come in and the violins would descend from the skies and all the townspeople and all their children would be joining you in song, shouting your shout, crying your cry, singing with you, united in song. I hope you clap for the Jesus bit as well. <laughs> growing up, growing up, that is how I wished life could look. I wish life would look like. How much better would life be with a soundtrack? Am I right? And when I went to go see my first musical, I burst into tears as soon as the overture started. Now, for those of you who don't love the musical theatre, the overture is the bit that starts before the curtain even opens. It's like an introduction, a little um, glimpse of what the show is going to look and sound like. It's, um, it's where the band plays bits of the songs to come. So they play little bits of the songs just to give you a tease of what the show is going to be like. And I, I burst into tears because the overture was so good. So I knew the show was going to be amazing. It was just an introduction. It was just a preview. It was just a glimpse of what was to come. And it was incredible. I could not wait for those curtains to open. It's no surprise that when I went to church for the first time, when I was 15, the only thing that stuck with me was the singing. I couldn't tell you what the talk was about. I don't know if anyone spoke to me or welcomed me. I don't even really remember what the church looked like. But I remember some of the songs that were sung. I connected to the worship because it was like what I loved about the musicals. I mean, these Christians, they felt so deeply, they just had to burst out into song. And, and I could see that they clearly believed in this God and they must love him because even the people that were tone deaf were singing out these tunes and, and I was like what they look quite normal but they can't sing and they're singing really loud and everyone seems to be fine with it I'd never been in an environment where people were so free where they didn't care what they sounded like where they didn't care what they looked like I'd never been in an environment like that where there was no comparison no competition they looked like family singing together but as I looked around and I watched them with their smiley faces and their hands raised, I thought, oh, you'll never catch me doing that. No way, that will never be me. Because the Christian girls I knew were living very different lives to me. Their families were very, very different to mine. And I just sort of assumed that Christians were happy, clappy people that had managed to stumble through life without experiencing any pain, any heartbreak, any loss, or struggles, really. 
And, and that's why they could sing. But how, how often do we actually do this as Christians as well? I know I've been in a position where I'm in worship, and maybe you're here tonight, maybe you've been here as well, where you look at the front row, you look at the band, and you think, wow, they look like they're loving it, and I'm feeling nothing. Like, this is doing nothing for me tonight. I'm not, I'm not connected at all. They, they always have their hands raised. They always look smiley. Their relationship with God must be much better than mine. I don't really understand why this isn't working like that um, for me. And, th- and then we think things like, yeah, but if they were facing what I'm facing, if they were going through what I'm going through right now, if they had my past, if they'd seen what I'd seen, if they were looking at what I'm looking at, what I'm about to go through, there's no way they'd be singing like that. No way. And that is 100% how I felt. So I didn't go to church again until I was um, 19. But over those four years, from 15 to 19, I had a song stuck in my head. You know um, when you have like the most annoying song stuck in your head? And it just keeps going over and over again. And, and usually it's just two lines of the song. You don't even get the whole song. You get like two lines that just keep going and going and going. And it makes it even more frustrating. You're like, come on, please give me the whole song. No, just those two lines. Here they go. Like um, this week I've had, um, yeah, a really good song stuck in my head. I've had, um, if you like pina coladas, getting caught in the rain. If you like pina coladas, getting caught in the rain. If you like pina coladas, getting caught in the rain. Going round and round and round my head all week while I've been trying to write this preach. <laughs> I don't even like pina coladas. And from 15 to 19, I didn't have pina coladas stuck in my head. I had an even more annoying song, and it was, it was even more annoying because I didn't even understand the lyrics. I didn't relate to them in any way. I didn't really, I didn't get them. They didn't make sense. And the lyrics that kept going around my head were, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, my cornerstone, this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm. And I remember going to sleep with those words just stuck to my head. It's like a bit of church it just clung to me, and I couldn't get it off. God was not letting me forget about him. So I started watching the Christians I knew really closely. I started watching their lives to see if anything would rock them, see if anything would stop their singing, stop their happy clappiness, see if anything would, would rock them. And over those four years, I, I witnessed the Christians I knew go through some of the most horrific circumstances. Extreme loss, heartbreak, um, sickness, grief. And through it all, they clung to Jesus. They stuck to God. I could see that their lives weren't happy clappy. I could see that um, they didn't have it all together. But yet, they still loved God. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you knew everything was going to change? Where just 60 seconds transformed the entire course of your life? Maybe it was a phone call or a conversation or, um, or, or a message. And when you received it, you knew that when you woke up the next day, life would look very, very, very different. 
the lens in which you saw people, the way in which you viewed your life, the course of where you were going was going to be completely, completely different when you woke up. We've probably all experienced this on big scales, small scales, happy and sad, deaths, doctor's appointments, engagements, graduations. And I had two of those in my late teens that led me to knowing Jesus and then being able to sing with the church. The first one um, was at 17. I went to a funeral of a little girl. Her death changed everything. What I thought I knew about life vanished in that moment when I found out that she had died. And the ceremony was incredibly sad. It was, it was tragic. But it looked very different to what I thought it would look like. I watched as her church family stood shoulder to shoulder with their hands interlocked around her coffin, her tiny coffin. And through tears they prayed. And then they sung. They sung of God's goodness, his faithfulness, and his love. They sung, and they sung, and they sung together. And I just could not understand that. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand why they would sing. I, I, I couldn't sing. The worst thing had possibly, that could possibly happen had happened and yet they still sung. Why, why would they sing? I just couldn't get my head around that, but still, they sung. The second moment happened when I was 19. My phone binged, and I looked at it, and the message I read was a message that would transform um, my life forever. I got a message to tell me that one of my close friends had died. Life looked terrifying. I didn't even know how to begin to process this grief. I didn't know what to do with this knowledge. And, and what made it even harder is that when I got in contact with his mum, she told me that before he died, he'd had a vision of heaven. And I, I didn't even know whether I believed in heaven. But I loved my friend. I loved my friend, and so I got really, really serious about figuring out whether all this God stuff I'd been surrounded for years with was real. So I went to a mega church. <laughs> I went to a mega church and hid, and as soon as the band started playing, I burst into tears. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, where fears are stilled, where striving cease. And I watched the Christians worshipping, and instead of thinking they were happy, clappy, fake people... <laughs> I started to wonder what struggles they had been through. And I started to wonder where, where, if I would ever feel like I was on solid ground. Like I would, uh, would I ever feel like my fears had been stilled? Would I ever feel like I could sing like them about love and peace? Would I ever feel like that? A month or so later, 
I was waiting for a train. And if you've ever had to grieve um, someone close to you, you'll know this moment where you feel like the sadness is never going to end. Like you're never going to have a way out. And I, I got to that moment waiting for this train. And I tried everything. I tried the yoga and the meditation and the mindfulness and everything they tell you to do and it doesn't work. And, and I, with nowhere else to go, I prayed my first prayer to Jesus. And I said, Jesus, if you're real, please, can you, can you give me a break from this sadness, from, from this pain? I, I'd, I'd like to feel the joy that these Christians sing and speak about just, just for a moment. Just for a moment, please, Jesus. And in that moment, I felt a rush of joy and I felt overwhelming love and I gave my life to Jesus and I joined a tiny church and I started to sing with the church and it was amazing. I understood why Christians sing. Christians sing because Jesus is amazing. He changes everything. He turned my life around. He turned my life upside down and I got to sing with my new family with the church and we were all singing together united in song it was like the musical world I wished had existed I mean I was just so full of song I couldn't just speak I had to burst out and, and, and sing and I didn't have a spotlight but it didn't matter because there's probably spotlights in heaven and Jesus is amazing hallelujah I love you God I love you God and now lots of you here have been Christians for a way longer than I've been a Christian. Um, but I, I've been a Christian long enough now um, that uh, Jesus and I, we've been on our honeymoon and it, and it was fantastic. We had a great time. Um, but the planes landed, we've unpacked our bags um, and, and life's carried on. And, and it's all really normal now. Um, it's great, but it's very normal. Um, and I, if I'm being honest, I got to a place in worship where I really, really struggled. I really struggled. I just wasn't getting that connection anymore. I wasn't getting that tingly feeling that I used to get. I wasn't getting that rush of emotion that I used to feel. You know that place? Have you been there? Where in worship, all you can think is, we sing this song every week. These lyrics are whack. Has anyone looked at them? Like, does anyone else see how weird these lyrics are? And this is so high. I feel like if I even attempt to sing this, my vocal cords are going to break. And then we think, who's on words this week? <laughs> and, and it's not that you don't love Jesus. Of course you do. You, lo you love Jesus. You love him. But worship is just, well... Worship. I mean, you enjoy the preachers, most of them anyway. Um, sometimes you go away having learned something. But worship is just a bit samey-samey. You can kind of um, predict what's going to happen. And if you're not feeling it, if you're not getting the same rush, what's the point? Might as well stand in the back and just get through it and wait for the preacher to get up. And I've been there many, many, many a time and I know that if you are there today, you are not the only one in here who is. You're not the only one in here who is. 
And what really helped me, what really helped me sort of transform um, my mind and my thinking around worship was looking at singing in the Bible. Um, And this series has been really great for it. I mean, we've looked at loads of people that sing in the Bible. We looked at... um, Miriam and Moses and Exodus rejoicing in song. We've looked at King David, the psalmist, lamenting and singing through pain. But the example of worship in the Bible and singing in the Bible, that really helped transform my thinking around worship um, is Jesus singing. It's Jesus singing in Matthew 26. So Matthew 26, it tells us the story of the most notorious dinner party of all time, the Last Supper. The disciples have prepared for the Passover meal. They've got a room already. All 12 of them are sitting around the table. Jesus is there. They're all there. And they're ready to go. And I'm sure there was a moment when Jesus looked around the table and he looked at the men he loved. He looked at his disciples and he remembered everything they'd been through together. He thought back over the memories and the things they'd done. You know, if you've had to move, when you've had that goodbye meal, that leaving party, there's a moment you look around at all your friends and you think, wow, I have great friends. We've done so much together. Think back on all the memories you shared and all the things you've done together. And then you remember you've got to say goodbye got to leave and it's hard Jesus knew that this was the last meal he was ever going to share with these men he knew that this was their this was their parting meal he was going to have to say goodbye at the end of this meal and he looks around the table and he would have seen Peter Peter the man who asked if he could also walk on water whose hand he had to catch When he doubted, he looks at that man and he remembers that, but he also knows that in a little while, that man will deny ever knowing him, not just once, but three times. He would have looked around the table and he would have seen James and John, the brothers, the ones he called from their fishing boat, who dropped their nets, left everything they had ever known behind to walk with him, to follow him, to learn from him. And he looks at those men and he remembers that. But he also knows that when he asks them to stay awake, they're going to fall asleep, abandoning him. Then Jesus might have looked at Judas, a man he loved, one of his disciples, a man who had been in charge of their finances. He looks at him and he sees the man he knows is going to betray him, the man who's going to lead him to his death. Jesus would have looked around the table and seen all 12 of his disciples, the men who had woke him in a storm, terrified. The men that when he was away from the crowd said, come here, come here, come here. Let me explain to you. Let me tell you what these parables meant. Let me tell you what I mean by my teachings. These are the men that he trusted with the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. He loved these men. He sees the men he loves 
But he also sees his betrayer, the ones who fell asleep, the one who would deny ever knowing him, and the ones who just don't really get it, still don't really get it. And yet he broke bread and he poured wine. And at the end of the Last Supper, Matthew 26, 30, tells us that they sung a hymn. When Jesus was about to be crucified, one of the last things he chose to do was sing. And we can be um, pretty confident that um, they would have followed Passover tradition, which means that they would have sung a bit of Psalm 115 to 118. Um, So these are some of the following lines that Jesus would have sung looking death in the face. For great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. And Psalm 118 ends with two lines. These are the last lines that Jesus would have sung, knowing he's about to suffer, knowing he's about to walk straight into death, surrounded by his betrayers, by the people that deny him, by the people that abandon him, by those that don't get it. He sings these two lines. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Jesus sang about what he knew was going to be the most excruciatingly painful day of his life, as if it was a great day. Could you have sung if you were in Jesus' position? Would you have chosen to sing, looking death straight? in the eyes I don't think I could have I don't think I could have Jesus didn't sing because he felt happy because he felt something we know that after this he goes to the garden of Gethsemane he gets on his knees and prays and out of anguish he sweats blood he sweats blood Jesus didn't sing of God's goodness, faithfulness and love because he felt good. He sung about it because he knows it's true. He knew that the day he was about to face, yes, it would be excruciatingly painful, but it would ultimately be a great day for the 12 around the table and for us as well. Jesus sang for you. So why do we sing together? Why do we sing together? First, we sing together because there is a 15-year-old Catherine in the room who's watching you and learning about God by watching you. Now, that doesn't mean we fake it. Of course not. We're not faking anything. But it does mean we have to make an active decision to engage with God. We don't let our emotions, our circumstances, a feeling be our master's. We choose to look to Jesus through it all. And, and over this series, we've, um, we've talked a lot about um, people that can't sing. 
and this is really important, actually. Like, I think this is, yeah, I'm going to make a bold claim about awful singers. If you are tone deaf, you are an amazing gift to the church. Because when someone walks in that doesn't know God, they're going to hear you singing and know <laughs> that this God must be real. Because why else would you be singing? <laughs> Sometimes I sing, if I'm being honest, because I like the sound of my own voice. I like singing. If you can't sing, you don't have that sin to struggle with. So please sing loud. You must sing loud. You must sing loud. But the most important reason why we sing is because Jesus sung. We sing because Jesus sung. And if Jesus chose to sing when he was about to be crucified, we must try to choose to sing as well. We're not singing tonight because Jesus is going to make our lives really comfortable, because he's going to make everything better. We're not singing tonight because we're looking to walk out of here a bit happier, a bit more peaceful than when we walked in. We're not singing tonight because we're going to get this rush of some like emotion. We're not singing tonight because of us. We're singing tonight because of what Jesus has done and for the eternal life he's won for us. That's what we're singing for. Worship isn't about us at all. It's an act of obedience, joyful obedience, amazing obedience, but it is a choice. We must choose to look to Jesus and sing. There will be times when we feel connected, when we feel emotional, and there will be times when we feel absolutely nothing. And in both of those moments... Jesus is the same. He remains the same. He never, ever changes. Our circumstances do, our feelings do, our emotions do, but Jesus, heaven is never going to change. The promise of eternal life, if you believe in him, that's never going to go. That's why we sing. So no matter where you are tonight, whether you're really happy, whether this is a really like great time for you, or whether... Life is a struggle at the moment. You're in the midst of grieving. It's hard. It's tough. You sit here and you don't really want to sing. You don't feel like singing. You don't look like the smiley band. You don't look like the smiley front row. Know that Jesus is looking at you with love in his eyes. He is still singing with passion in his voice. He has prepared a place at the table for you. He never ever changes and we get to sing again this evening and lift our eyes off of ourselves what's happening what we're doing our plans and we get to set our eyes on what's to come so I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing again um, and we're going to sing with with new freedom we're going to sing in tune we're going to sing out of tune bit in the middle as well uh, we're going to sing with a new perspective we're not going to be thinking about us we're going to be thinking about Jesus we might not feel anything but that doesn't matter Jesus is still here he still is the same forever and always so let's stand and I'll pray Jesus we want to become more like you and we know we know that to do that we have to sing we have to sing looking heartbreak, looking death, looking grief in the face. 
We sing of your goodness, your faithfulness and your love, not because we feel something, but because we know that it's true. I thank you that you showed us how to do this. I thank you that even though our circumstances change, you never change. We fix our eyes on you again. Remind us how good heaven is going to be. Help us to learn how to worship you, Lord. Really worship you. Help us to have that eternal perspective. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We're singing for you and you alone tonight.